The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf of the on the check. Hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Gretch got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickersons. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well... 
Better luck this time. Oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Didn't I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key. Room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John? Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John, get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John! 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 Blanche! 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 Shut the door! There's a draft! Come out of that thing! All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow! My hand! Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow! I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a ragamuffin. It's a nice muffin. Um, grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche? No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on! Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I, I want a room with a bed. I've already signed it. You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door. No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken-down room? This is the elevator. <laughs> Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I'd hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on, will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's the room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven. I gotta get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove. I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I can still remember 
what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. That wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawer. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd change. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die. I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shame me in front of all my friends. And after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because I said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th. No children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John. I see them every day on the shredded wheat box. How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories. Mm, yeah. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat? Left enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. Did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat? I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. Fishing? Where? In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait. John Bickerson! Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats. Go to sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Gooseby. Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Gooseby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Gooseby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is 
not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Goosby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't. Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel. Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight. No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me, and you go into a tantrum. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, honey, honey. Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night? Don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a vile headache. Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Good night, John. Staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here this phone so tight And I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide see you on the other side see you on the other side see you on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide 
This is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. 
Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is a New York Times best-selling children's book author and award-winning cartoonist of the syndicated daily comic strip, The Pajama Diaries, which ran from 2006 to 2020. But she has a... charming and delightful middle grade series, Emmy and Friends, the latest of which is Remarkably Ruby, and here to talk about that and a whole bunch more, is, um, I guess uh, I guess we would say artist and author, Terry Liebenson. Hi, Terry. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much. Great to be here. You know, I, I, I just had to ask... Um, why did the uh, Pajama Diaries come to an end in 2020? It seems like a suspicious time. <laughs> I know, I know. You would think I had some foresight, but I, I absolutely did not. <laughs> um, although the pandemic may have given me some, some brand new material. Um, but, uh, I, w- I was actually trying to reach the 15 year mark. I had to end it a little bit early because my, my kids' books took over, um, in a, in a great way. <laughs> Something had to give. So, unfortunately, it had to be the comic strip, although I love doing it. Well, it just, it seemed kind of funny because, um, Doing a comic strip like that is something you can do from home. And while everybody else was scrambling to figure out how to reinvent themselves, you know, for the pandemic, you could have carried on as before, it seems. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I just couldn't do it all, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's the part that... That's uh, that I had to put put aside, but um, but it had a great run, so no regrets. No, it did have a great run, and it was a great strip. Do you think you have? Um, is there more freedom of expression in these longer format projects? Um, in a way, yes. Um, just because. I can get a little more detailed. Um, the books are are not graphic novels, but hybrids. So part of it is told in um, like an illustrated novel type of format, where there's a lot of text and then there's some small illustrations mixed in. So with those chapters, I can get really detailed and ramble on a bit, and it's a lot of fun and very freeing. <laughs> Whereas the comic strip kind of restricted me a little bit because I have to tell stories daily in just, you know, three or four panels. Um, but I, I enjoyed that format, too. It's uh, it's just different, definitely different. Well, I would think it, that doing a strip like that is a little bit like writing comedy for uh, 
Rodney Dangerfield or Henny Youngman, one of the great one-liner comics, where you set it up and then the punchline. You know, it's real simple, real sure. basic. Set it up, hit it. Set it up, hit it. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to a drawn-out story with a with a funny conclusion or um, something of that nature. In when you're writing for this uh, Emmy and Friends series, um, I have this picture of you with pen and paper doodling in the margins. Is that at all like the process goes? Because you do both. You write the copy, but you also do some the uh, artwork. Um, yeah, yeah. You would, you would think. <laughs> but honestly, I learned, I learned the hard way if I do any of the art up front. Um, oftentimes the story has to change. It gets edited a lot. Um, so then the artwork has to be changed as well. So it's just, it's more work for me if I do artwork up front. So, uh, strangely enough, I don't do any artwork when I'm first um, writing out the story. I, I just type it on a computer and I, I kind of indicate where the art's going to go and what it's going to be um, in, in pretty great detail um, while I'm writing. I just I just kind of um, make it a, a different color font so that we could differentiate, my, my editor and I. Um, but at the same time, sometimes I still doodle. <laughs> it's on a separate piece of paper, depending. Um but yeah, but once once I uh, I'm done with the manuscript and um, and the and that's ready to go and I'm ready to start doing art, I I go on to doing um, just rough sketches in pencil and I just plug them right into the manuscript and that way we can see how the artwork looks along with the story and and make sure everything flows well. So that's always fun. That is fun. What made you start? Um, what made you change formats? I mean, you were very successful uh, doing sequential art and, and having a, a syndicated strip. Um, so, a uh, while back, I had, I, I had some cartoonist friends who were starting to segue into these illustrated um middle grade books and and one of them had uh, mentioned to me he thought that was something I might be able to do as well and so it kind of put the idea in my head <laughs> and, and so any free time I had I spent um, starting to write my first book Invisible Emmy and I didn't know how I was going to write it honestly I, I didn't have any kind of format or structure I just I just started and, and just um wanted to see where it would take me and luckily I started I started writing sort of from the point of view of myself when I was about 12 or 13 because even though I don't remember um, the day-to-day stuff I did when I was that young I, I remember a lot of the feelings so I just used that voice and kind of ran with it and a story formed a secondary main character formed and a very embarrassing incident I remembered from from fifth grade uh flew into my head, and I use that as kind of a, a pivotal moment in the book, and it all just came together, and um, and I found that I loved it. I, I loved writing this, and uh, luckily the book did really well, So, um, and I had a two-book deal, so I 
did the second book, Continue Loving It, and um, and the books kept getting longer as <laughs> I went on, and and I was also offered um, a, a deal to make a supplemental book, which was um, a guided journal, and at that point I knew, oh my gosh, I can't do all of this, so that's when I decided to retire the strip, um, but... Honestly, um, I really haven't looked back. <laughs> I'm really enjoying these books. Do you like writing for for uh, middle grade readers? I do. I, I love it. I I never I never knew I could do it, and um, I've I found that I think I'm. I think I'm kind of stuck at age 12 anyway in my own mind, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just works for me. <laughs> I, Terry, I kind of relate to that. Um, <laughs> I, I've been fighting growing up all my life. Um, but is there is there more to a story when you have more room and and when you stretch it out? Or is it still basically set it up and come up with the the moral to the story or the punchline? Mm-hmm. Um, so the re- the rest of my books, uh, besides Emmy, uh, Invisible Emmy, um, are written with a lot more structure, um, and that's because I'm on a, a yearly deadline for each book. One one book comes out every May. Um, so I definitely, I definitely need some kind of structure so so that I'm, I'm meeting my deadlines. So yeah, I um, I create two outlines for each of the main characters because there's uh, usually two main characters for, for each book, and um, and I usually do have a um, an ending in mind when I start um, and and kind of work backwards a little bit from there, um, and that just you know that 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 just helps guide me. Not that I don't go astray every so often, but <laughs> but for the most part, I, I tend to stick to um, to the outlines, and that helps a lot. So yeah, yeah, definitely more organized as I go for each book. Although I I don't know what it is, but every year I seem to just keep writing and writing more and more, and these books keep getting longer and <laughs> and trying to reel myself in. <laughs> Not sure what's happening. <laughs> Trying to fill a void, I guess, since the comic strip. <laughs> well, um, would you? Do you think you would ever go back to that, to doing a strip? Um, I don't think so. I, I really like the book format, um, it, and it surprised me. Um, but uh, but you never know. You never know. I never want to say never. <laughs> Did you know when you wrote? I don't wrote think I would f- go. I, I wouldn't go back to the pajama diaries, but I would. I might try something else someday. Did you know when you wrote the first Emily book that it was going to be a series? No, no. I just hoped it would sell. See, I always, <laughs> I always ask that writers that have a series going, whether it's a trilogy or an extended series. You know, did you get to the end of the first book and go, but wait, there's more. <laughs> and 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 the next one just kind of rolls out after that. 
Right. Yeah. I'm just, well, I know that um, a lot of authors um, get multiple book deals. So, um, and for instance, I, I actually had a two book deal to start. So, um, so I knew I would have at, at least two books, but um, but I wasn't thinking of a series so much. And I knew after I finished Emmy, I wanted to. Um, I actually wanted to uh, bring bring forward a new character because I thought Emmy's story was just kind of done for now. Not that I wouldn't approach her again, but um, but I kind of wanted to move on. So so that's when I brought her her best friend into the forefront, and she became the main character of the second book. But it all takes place in the same middle school universe. So once it did become a series, um, that that kind of keeps it all pretty cohesive. Now, this this latest book, Remarkably Ruby, is the sixth in the series. Um, is is there an end in sight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I get asked that a lot. I. I honestly don't know. I, I'm right now. I'm just. I just know I'm enjoying writing these. Um, there's, there's definitely going to be a seventh book, and I, I think there will be more beyond that as well. Um, I don't know how many. <laughs> I guess until I run out of steam. When you're writing um, these books, the 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 six so far in the uh, Emmy and Friends series. What is it that you're hoping the readers get out of these uh, various uh, adventures? Sure. Um, well, my main goal is that just for, just to have the reader know that they're not alone in this whole uh, middle school challenge, um, because it can be you know middle school can be very lonely sometimes, and and it's the unknown oftentimes. Um, it's also a time when um, friendships and relationships change a lot because you're you're growing up. Um, so really, it's just it's just to have very relatable characters and books, and and also to make them laugh. I mean, humor is kind of my mainstay. It's it's what I love doing. So definitely relatability, relatability with um, a lot of a lot of uh, chuckling. <laughs> Where do you come up with the ideas for these stories? I mean, you said that the first Uh book in the series, you know, you recalled, uh, how did you refer to it, an unfortunate incident, Um, (laughs) something along those lines, but, but you came up with something that had actually happened to you from your own memories, but, you know, six books later, how much of it is Terry, and and if it's not all Terry, where does the rest of it come from? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not trying to put you on yeah, the spot, Terry. I that I'm just, I'm just <laughs> fascinated. I'm fascinated by the creative process, and, and so I wonder, are you just thinking all the time and looking for things, and making little notes, you know, to yourself for, you know, inclusion in future stories? Sure, yeah, I, I actually do that. Um, well, first of all, I do a lot of reading. Um, I read other middle grade books. I read um, 
I'll read articles sometimes about adolescents and, and what they're going through. But I also have two daughters, and they've been there. <laughs> they're, they're older now, but, um, but I know for, for my third book, actually, my, my older daughter went through something kind of traumatic when she was in eighth grade as far as friendships go. And, um, and I loosely based my third book on that. It's all about exclusion. And by the way, she gave me permission to talk about it. She gave me permission to use it in my story. And it's, it's loosely based on what happened to her. But, um, but it's about being excluded. And, and the story is um, told from the viewpoint of both the, the, the girl who is doing the excluding as well as the girl who is being excluded. Um, because I always say there's, there's two sides to a story all the time. Um, and uh, so that was, that was uh, loosely based off of real life. Um, everything else, um, actually my fourth one um, was all about having a bat mitzvah. So that was, that was something that was near and dear to me as well because I've gone through that process. Both my daughters have and my husband. My husband had a bar mitzvah. And, and so we, <laughs> there's a lot of fun, you know, challenges just surrounding that. Um, and uh, so it was, that was definitely <laughs> plucked from, from a lot of real-life experiences. But some of it's just imagination as well. Um, Ruby, as well as Truly Tyler, um, Positively Izzy, are just really made-up stories. And I just, you know, I just kind of try and write from the heart and, and be as authentic as I can. And somehow, somehow it comes together. Which came first for you, Terry? The... Um your your drawing ability or or your love for writing that's a great question um so definitely my drawing ability i come from a family of very artistic people and um and i i always had that kind of innate ability to draw um and i loved it um, my parents always joked that i was born with a drawing pen in my hand um, and I always doodled, and I was I was very drawn to comics when I was a kid as well. So that uh, the love of comics came out pretty early on. Um, the writing came later, and um, yeah, I and I Terry, love I love to, to marry um, those two. Yes, sorry. Were you the only girl hanging around the comic book store? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have I didn't have to do that because my brother had a great collection of comic books and magazines. Uh, so I would just sneak into his room and, and take them. <laughs> that's that's funny, but but even even then, um, would it have been considered a little unusual for girls to have that interest in comic books and uh, other forms of sequential art? Um, more unusual, I, I think, back then. Um, not as unusual now, uh, certainly. But um, but yeah. And when I was when I was syndicated, um, you know, I could I could count how many um, female comic strip artists there were just pretty much on my hand. Um, so uh, you know, it was it was it was mostly men. Um, but it's it's changing. It's changing a lot, which who, is wonderful. Who are some of the the uh, women to watch? Oh my goodness! Um, <laughs> well, honestly, I haven't kept up 
that much um, on the comic strip end. Um, and the funny pages, it's kind of the same. It, it, it hasn't changed too, too much, a little bit. Um, but there are a lot of new web, uh, co- web cartoonists out there now. Um, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Um, probably the, the, uh, one of the more popular ones would be Sarah Anderson, who does Sarah, Sarah Scribbles. Um, and my, my brain is not working too well right now. So, uh, Well, <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate I can appreciate that, Terry, because I, <laughs> I asked the question, and I'm sitting here trying to think, who would I, you know, even, and, and all I could come up with is Kathy Geiswhite, and she's been done with it for a decade or more. Yeah. Um, but she happened to come from right, this part right. of the and country. Right, right, and a lot of them but, have, yeah, a lot of them have retired, too, so, um, or their, their stripper and reruns, so, yeah, it's, um, uh, I, someone took over, um, Mark Tatouille's strip, Heart of the City, and I, I can't remember her name offhand, but I think she's doing really well. Same with Nancy, um, and, uh, they've, they've kind of made these strips their own, which is, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, you know, we're almost out of time, and, and I, I, Terry, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. It's been uh, <laughs> it it, it's been really fun talking with you. The uh, latest installment of Emmy and Friends, a middle grade series, uh, is remarkably Ruby by um, award winning cartoonist and best selling children's book author Terry Liebenson. Terry, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? Sure. Um, my website is terryliebenson.com. So it's T-E-R-R-I-L-I-B-E-N-S-O-N. I know, it's a mouthful. <laughs> and... Um, and you could find you could find links to my books. Um, you could even even find signed books um, through my local indie store that that sells uh, my signed books. Um, and lots of activities and resources. Um, really fun for kids, actually. There's there's um, like a link for um, creating a graphic novel, um, kind of a guide for that, tips and other things. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely check it out. Well, Terry, thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Take care. That was uh, Terry Liebenson. She, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, New York Times bestselling children's book author and award-winning cartoonist. Um, Her uh, syndicated daily strip, uh, The Pajama Diaries, ran from 2006 to 2020. And uh, her latest, uh, the the series that uh, she's been working on uh, is Emmy and Friends, the latest of which is uh, Remarkably Ruby is the name. And with that, we'll have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation 
Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage? Basketball or soccer? So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov slash vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. 
Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a book written called Psychological Studies of Famous Americans, and it examines from a psychological viewpoint uh, Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant and uh, Walt Whitman, people like this, and tries to explain in terms of psychology why these people acted the way they did, that they really did not act from, uh, from valor or anything else, that there were deep psychological problems these people had, and that's why they reacted the way they did one person they skipped that I thought would be a great subject for analysis, if they had analysis when he was around, was uh, Ben Franklin. I think he... <laughs> I think this man is ripe for analysis. So this is uh, Ben's analyst, and he's in a typical analyst's office. He has an, uh, a, a desk and a chair and a couch and an intercom. Yeah, uh, who who uh, who is it, Murray? Ben Ben Franklin. Um, can I uh, can I duck him, Murray? <laughs> he's, he's he's standing right there in the office. He's he's dripping all over the rugs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Send him in, Murray. Uh, uh, Murray, how how's he doing on his account? Uh, Three months behind, huh? Yeah, he's, he's thrifty, all right, Mary. <laughs> all right, send him in. Send him in. Well, hi, hi there, Ben. How are you today? Good. Ben, you want to you want to lie down on the couch there? Uh, ben, you want to put some papers down on the couch so <laughs> don't uh, don't get the couch all wet. Well, I'd, I'd say from the looks of our clothes, we've been uh, flying the kite again in the rainstorm, right, Ben? <laughs> Okay, Ben, um, we copied down our dreams, did we? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have to. It's the same one. You're, you're walking down the street, and you, you find a half dollar, and your face is on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty sick, Ben, you know that? <laughs> Washington has the same dream, only he sees his face on paper. Do huh? you want to you give George my number, uh, Ben? <laughs> okay, Ben, let's, let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this kite fixation thing. Um, the, uh, the lightning knocked you down again, uh, did it, Ben? You're, you're not surprised by that, though, are you? I mean, you, you expect it to knock you down, don't you? <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, 
You being a founding father and all, you know, it, uh, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in people to see a, you know, a grown man flying a kite, you know. <laughs> it's too bad it, it, it isn't something a little more private, you know, you could, you could do in the privacy of your own room, like uh, spinning a top, you know, <laughs> some, something like that. You ever, ever thought of spinning a top, Ben? Wouldn't, wouldn't knock you down. Hmm? That's, that's important to you, is it, Ben? The, hmm? Okay, let, let me see if I have the picture now, Ben. Uh, you're flying your kite, all right, Ben? And you're letting out the string. Everything's the same as usual. There's, there's something different this time. You, you use strips of cloth for the tail. Red, white, and blue strips of cloth. <laughs> where'd, uh, where'd you get the red, white, and blue strips of cloth, Ben? From, from Betsy Ross. She, she's got plenty of it. She, she's up to wearing it, Ben? Now, uh, Be- uh, Betsy gave you the cloth, did she, Ben? You, you took the cloth. A, a penny saved is a penny earned. Why, uh, why didn't you ask uh, Betsy for the cloth, Ben? She thinks you're a sissy because you wear bows on your shoes. <laughs> and, and she chased you down the street yelling, you're not thrifty, you're cheap. <laughs> she, uh, she could have something there, Ben. Not, nothing, nothing, Ben. Mm-hmm. Why, uh, why didn't you uh, pay Betsy uh, for, for the cloth, Ben? Keep what is dear to you if, if you would prosper. Mm-hmm. Ben, I, I think we can get a lot more done if, if you drop the little homilies after, after each, uh, <laughs> each statement. Ben, we don't seem to be getting anywhere with, it, with a kite thing. Uh, let's switch to something else. How, how are the inventions uh, coming along, Ben? You, you got lucky this morning... You, you don't have to wear your bifocals anymore. The, the lightning fused your glasses to your eyeballs. <laughs> what, uh, what are you going to call them, Ben? Con- contact lenses. Ben, I, I, uh, I sure would like to be more optimistic about your condition, but i um, <laughs> afraid I'm going to have to recommend a shock treatment, Ben. Uh, I, don't, I don't like to do it because there are always uh, undesirable side effects. Well, what, what we do, Ben, is uh, we stick you inside the Liberty Bell and, uh, and we, <clears throat> we uh, ring, ring it a couple times, you know. Well, uh, the problem is you, you, you quiver for about two or three years, you see. <laughs> ben, I'm afraid our time is almost up. We'll see you uh, next, next Thursday, then. Right. Goodbye, Ben. You, you get him, Mary? He ran, ran out already, huh? <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
my hands I don't touch my face I stay at home Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church Should I sneeze? I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart. That is the rule. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands. Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me a trip to the grocery store to buy TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find is 16 honey buns and some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors because I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be death of me the death of me you know they say this is war but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill and we just lay here on the couch and watch TV I'd rather volunteer for a high risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup I know I'm talking out of my head saying crazy stuff over and over like Yes, dear. Yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized as <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness. Old-fashioned radio. For a new generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner 
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 